But Dan, your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, is making me feel bad about myself. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, the questions continue. And you know, this is a tough time. Coming out of this pandemic has created a whole lot of new issues for people. Some that we maybe didn't anticipate. The process of going through grief because things have changed. That's a realistic response. I want to unpack that in a little bit more. Here's some questions that we are going to be dealing with today. Well, just some comments from some people. You know, I've been promoting next week. We're going to be having the uh, master class, July 15th, Thursday. We're going to be having that, depending on when you're listening to it, maybe next week. Anyway, July 15th, 2021, we're going to be having a master class on five reasons big dreamers get stuck and how to blast through them to success. Well, we sent out, you know, a couple notices about that. We've got a whole lot of people who have registered for that, but I've also been getting other responses. Dan, I've never been a big dreamer, and now I just don't have any dreams left at all. Here somebody says, I work when scheduled. I have no input into my employment scheduling, but I am scheduled full-time. I have no benefits for health care, no paid time off, no paid sick leave. This has been my employment since 2015. Well, if you're a regular listener to this, you know I'm going to have one question for that listener. One question. All right, here's some more. What I've learned from you and others this last year is that people have more control over their lives than they think they do. Um, And then what I mentioned in the opening, your book is making me feel bad about myself. Got an audio clip from a listener I want you to hear on that. And then somebody says, I had to turn off your podcast because of who you mentioned. All right, now our quotation. So we've got, there's going to be, an overarching theme here that I want to unpack. I'm just going to address a couple questions, but expand a little bit more than I typically do on those today. Our quotation comes from Leonardo da Vinci, who said, to become an artist, you have to be curious. All right, now our resource is our upcoming webinar. If you go to 40days.com slash webinar, it is this one that we're getting a whole lot of response on because of the kind of workplace that we're in right now and because people maybe feeling stuck. So it's five reasons big dreamers get stuck and how to blast through them to success. So go to 48days.com slash webinar. It's a free masterclass. I'm going to go through that and we're getting a lot of input. So some things we want to unpack together. What are the things that hold big dreamers back? And then that prompted, because of notices about that, prompted notes from people like Michael who says, I guess your master class is not for me. I've never been a big dreamer. Now I just don't have any dreams at all. Kay says, I'd like to attend your master class, but I do not get time due to my current employer scheduling and property management maintenance that I'm responsible for. I need a change and it's not worked out yet. Um, I'm a health and wellness enthusiast, but and would like to be more involved in activities and work that align with those values for myself and others. But I have my employer and other people telling me where and what I need to be all the time. So on July 15th, I cannot attend your master class. I work when scheduled. 
I have no put into my employment scheduling. I've been hired as a part-time permanent retail customer service and sales employee, but I'm scheduled full-time and have no benefits for health care, no paid time off, no paid sick leave. This has been my employment, 6-2015. Kay, my one question for you, why have you stayed six years in the situation you describe? You need to just call in sick on July 15th. Or just register for just register for the master class. I mean, my goodness, of anybody that needs to be listening, five reasons big dreamers get stuck, and you describe six years in a situation where you're scheduled, you have no input into your schedule, you have no benefits, no paid time off, no paid sick leave, and on and on. You describe everything that makes you a candidate. You need to find what is keeping you stuck. What is it? What are you afraid of? You know, what are the other things I'm going to be going through? But what is it that is holding you back? My goodness. Well, we're, we're going to have that kind of as a theme here. But moving on, got this note from Todd, who says, Dan, I thought I'd want to give you an update from one year ago when I sent the previous email. Now, what, what Todd sent a year ago was this. Hi, Dan, I'm a 55-year-old pastor uh, I've enjoyed 20-plus years of church work ministry at multiple levels, leading large and small churches, starting multi-sites, teaching on the university and undergrad levels, even planting an excellent and out-thriving church in the Southwest. The church I'm serving now has impacted many people in my 10-year stint, but frankly, I'm tired of the same struggles, the same spiritual laziness and lack of commitment of the people. Financial issues have kept us from hiring staff. I can't seem to get anything going. Their vision no longer matches mine. I have a resignation letter in my desk from three years ago that I look at almost daily now. Again, 55 years old. He said at that time, this was a year ago, a year ago this month. With 10 solid working years left, I'm hesitant to leave because of the money, which is on the upper end for a pastor. I do life, church, career coaching on the side and love it so on and so forth. Um, But should I stay, stomach the church, and develop my next chapter on the side, or should I simply tell the church I'm done in three months and piece together income from various sources? Well, you can anticipate what my response was without going back into that totally. Again, my response was, my goodness, you owe it to the church to leave. Nobody's winning in this scenario where your feeling is that you're stomaching the church. So he writes back, that was a year ago. I want to give you an update. Since that email, with much prayer and consultation, I retired peacefully from my church. And as of the first of this year, 2021, I'm now full-time consulting on two fronts, first with churches and church leaders around the country, and second with people who are looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate. These are my two passions. Both have been successful. As you know, starting a business takes diligence, planning, and above all, time to develop. But with your business guidance, Dave Ramsey's financial guidance over the years, we were able to pivot to a new and exciting next chapter in my personal and business future. Managing debt responsibly allowed me to design the life I want to live all at the age of 55. What I've learned from you and others this year is that people have more control over their lives than they think they do. People don't need to be stuck in a career for which they've lost passion. And it's okay to make the switch even if in their 50s. Well, thanks for your note, Todd. Thanks for your encouragement to others 
who are listening. So we have both sides. So we have somebody who feels absolutely stuck. You know, somebody who has no dreams, boom, somebody feels absolutely trapped in what they're doing, no control at all. And then a story of a 55-year-old pastor who said, you know what? Their vision didn't align with mine. Instead of just pretending that everything was okay, I took the initiative. Wow, here's a new life. Created a new life at 55 years old, and here we go. All right, now here's another one. We're gonna have I'm gonna have a little bit of a downer here, but I want to go through this to hopefully encourage this listener and a whole lot of you as well. This is the one where reading my book is making her sad. So let me just have you listen to some of her message here, and we're going to kind of unpack this. I just started reading your book, um, 48 Days to the Work That You Love, and I'm just finishing the third chapter, the third day's worth of reading. And the questions at the end of chapter two yesterday and chapter three today, um, they make me feel really bad about myself. And the questions just kind of leave you with your thoughts. And I just wonder um, what to do with realizing um, that I failed. I'm 48. I'll be 49 in two months. I don't have any savings. Um, I'm doing a job that I dislike and I feel like I'm making less of a difference. And these questions you know, are making me think about this. And as of now, they're not giving me any hope. Um, So I'm not sure, but I feel optimistic about continuing on with the book. It's actually a little scary. I don't know what my question is. All right. Now she goes on. I want to stop right there. Well, Lena, thank you for your open question. Thank you for sharing your heart here. And I, I want to hear you, but I also want to give you some, some hope. Wow. Now you're, you're talking about 48 Days to the Work You Love, the book that's been around for a while. It's now on its 20th anniversary edition. And you're referencing two chapters in there that you've read. Chapter two is Who Would Hire Me? And then chapter three is, yes, I do have an education. And yes, at the end of each chapter, I ask questions to make you think, to make you go deeper. So at the end of chapter two, I ask questions like, how have you guaranteed your job security? Now, in that chapter, I talk about you can guarantee your job security by being somebody who really stands out, you know, somebody who is more responsible, adds more value, those kind of, how have you guaranteed your job security? What in your training or experience makes you employable? What were your childhood goals and ambitions for life? Which of those have you been able to fulfill? Who are two or three people you know who seem to have accomplished their dreams? What do you remember about their accomplishments? Well, those are some of the questions. And they are. They're just probing questions to make you think. But then as you go through the book, there's more and more resolution. Here are ways to make sure that you do know how you're guaranteeing your employment, how you do know that you're moving toward your dreams. So in chapter three, then, which is titled, Yes, I Do Have an Education, I ask questions like, 
Are you expanding your creativity and imagination right now? What life experiences have you had that have added to your, quote, education? Because in there I talk about there are a lot of things that add to our education that we have access to other than just sitting in a classroom. And frankly, you know, you may have, um, when I at 48, you probably got your education in a traditional way many years ago. What have you done since then to keep continuing to add to your education? Now, here's kind of what's happened right now. I'm getting ready to do a presentation at the um, Venice Chamber of Commerce here near where I live on the issue of finding and keeping great employees. Now, this is a phenomenon that's sweeping the country right now. Studies are showing that at least 40% of workers are contemplating quitting their jobs this year. In the month of April alone, we had 649,000 people who left their jobs. Massive exodus. A lot of reasons for that, but their economists are now calling what we're going through right now as the great resignation. So many people are quitting their jobs. What's happening is we're seeing people move through a process similar to grief. When something happens in your life that you have no control over, you didn't expect it, your world is no longer the same as it is. I mean, that could be, you know, the death of somebody you loved. It could be an unexpected divorce, a job loss. I mean, those things. But we go through grief. There's a process of grief. Now, the, I'll, tell you what the, well, I'll tell you what the six stages are. And then we're going to park a little bit on stage six because that is the one where that I want to speak into. But the stages of grief are denial. You know, I can't believe this is happening. My gosh, there's no way, you know, this is right. This shouldn't be happening. It's just that first stage of grief. You know, it's kind of a state of shock because the world as you knew it no longer exists. So there's that. The second stage of grief is anger. How could this possibly have happened? You know, this isn't right. Really? Are you serious? You know, I can't go out. I have to wear a mask. I'm furious about this. So there are a lot of things that we've gone through where we've seen that. My goodness, when you look at the demonstrations, the political unrest, the anger that's been expressed, whether it's racially, politically, religiously, all those things have had pockets of anger expressed this last year. Number three in the steps of grief then is bargaining. All right, so let me get this straight. If I just do this, then everything's going to go back to normal. So bargaining is kind of a false hope. It's, it's a form of negotiating with yourself that if I just do this, then somehow everything's going to be okay again. But then the next stage is depression. I mean, we thought this was going to be over in August of last year, right? And here we are in July of the next year, almost an entire added year onto that over our first expectations. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. This is so sad. So depression. Then acceptance. Okay, this is a new reality. It's not what I wanted, but I've got to somehow make this work. But then the sixth stage is finding meaning. How can I find meaning in what I'm doing now? How can I get a sense of purpose now, this is what really where a lot of people are right now. They're saying, you know, I'm not content just to have a job that gives me a paycheck, just to give me a sense. I want a sense of purpose in what I'm doing. And thus, we're seeing a whole lot of people who are leaving their jobs because it's not because they aren't being paid. 
wow, a lot of states are adopting, you know, $15 an hour minimums. A lot of other people are getting bonuses. We're seeing bonuses almost as an expected part of getting any kind of a new job. I'm going to get a bonus with that. But there has to be more than that. This is what, you know, we have to understand whether you're an employer or an employee or whether you're independent, have your own business, whatever. You have to understand we're all looking for that. Of course, that's been the core message of mine for years and years and years. How to do something, not that just gives you a paycheck, but how to find work that is purposeful, meaningful, and profitable. How to find work that really is an expression of what you think you're called to do, why you're here on earth, what your purpose, mission, destiny is. That's what I've been talking about for a very long time. And I think people are really leaning into that. So Lynette, I want to encourage you to keep reading 48 Days to the Work You Love. Don't bury your head in the sand at 48 years old and think this is as good as it gets. I mean, now there's an old saying, you know, ignorance is bliss. There's a lot of truth in that. You know, it's, I think about if you've never experienced your power windows in a car, you don't miss that feature. I remember when, you know, one of the cars we got had air-conditioned seats, and John was like, oh my gosh, I never want to have a car that doesn't have this. But it's, when we see something better, it does make us want to move into that arena. I mean, if you've never lived in a house with air conditioning, you don't cry yourself to sleep at night because of that. But once you stay at a friend's house where they have air conditioning, now you know there's something better. And Lynette, your reading is opening your eyes to the fact that being 48 in a job you dislike, with no savings, feeling like you've failed, like you're not making a difference, that simply defines your starting point. Go back and listen to the note I just read from Todd, who at 55 said, this isn't working. I don't want to just endure this because I'm 55 and maybe I don't just stick it out for another 10 years. He said, no, this, this doesn't work. This isn't right. This isn't serving anybody well. I'm going to design a new life. You can do the same. And the fact that you haven't understood or been exposed to these kind of principles previously, wow, take it as a blessing that now you are. You don't have to continue living life as you are describing it right now. Now, here's another, here's another kind of not knowing and wanting to protect ourselves from new possibilities. This is an interesting kind of phenomenon. I mean, I talked about this a lot over the years, this idea of ignorance is bliss. You know, should we expose ourselves to ideas that are better? Well, this is a note I got. Hey, Dan, family, I'm a fan. Okay, from our family members, I'm going to leave out some details here. But I cannot say enough amazing, wonderful things about how helpful you've been. This is from a listener of my podcast. Now, yesterday when I was listening to your podcast, I had to turn it off really quickly and walk away from my phone because you quoted blank, blank, this person, and that really rattled my cage because that's just my, maybe that's just my opinion, but that person's philosophy in life scares me. So anyway, yeah, I was talking to my husband about it. He said I should call or write to you. So Dan, thank you. You know, sir, God bless you and all the extraordinary work you do. Thank you so much. So on and so forth. Okay. But you turned my podcast off because I mentioned a person. I'm not going to give you that person's name. I'm not going to give you the, the listener's name or the person that she mentioned. But it's a very well-known person, very high-profile person. 
But let me just approach it in this way. When I look at my podcast feed, the podcast I listen to regularly, I mean, I see names in there. Tim Ferriss, Marie Folio, Jesse Cole, Rick Warren, Roy Vaden, Donald Miller, John Acuff, Jordan Harbinger, Ryan Holiday, Michael Hyatt, Oprah Winfrey, Candace Owens, Simon Sinek, James Finney, Brene Brown, Joel Osteen, Pat Flynn, Stu McLaren, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, Ray Edwards, Dave Ramsey, Brendan Bouchard, John Lee Dumas, Seth Godin, Krista Tippett, Dan Sullivan. Now, the person who you found offensive, as you know, the name is in that list. I'm not going to point it out because I don't think that's really the issue. When I think about where I've come from, being that farm kid in Ohio, growing up there with the expectation I would just continue farming with my dad, drop out of school as soon as the state allowed me to at 16, and continue farming. And then I think about what I did to open my world to new opportunities. I turn around and look at my bookcase here behind me, and I see books from Dale Carnegie and David Schwartz and Napoleon Hill, Cal Newport, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Derek Sivers, Marianne Williamson, Robert Green, Elizabeth Gilbert. And I think about the people that I've learned from in business, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Benjamin Franklin, Aristotle, Socrates, Brian Tracy. You know, I go on and on. Leonardo da Vinci. I have learned so much from those people. But here's my point. Do I take every word from those people as truth? Not a chance. I mean, that's the power of maturity, of growing up, of understanding discernment, so you can be exposed to multiple ideas and then sift through that and determine what your beliefs are, how you're going to live your life. I mean, one of the people that I have studied a lot is Leonardo da Vinci. We had one of our mastermind events last year was the theme was how to think like Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, he came up with so many new inventions. He's known for, of course, famous paintings like the Mona Lisa, but he's better known because of his contributions in science and physics and mathematics and design things like the, the catapult, the helicopter, drawbridge, I mean, all those kind of things that he came up with. Just an amazing thinker. And he has seven principles for how we foster creativity and innovation. One of those, number four, is somato. It's, it means the willingness to embrace ambiguity, paradox, and uncertainty. The idea of having two different opinions on something, that we can entertain both of those and be okay with that. I love that. I love that sense. Even in my own faith journey, I mean, I love the things that I can't really understand. I love the fact that there's mystery there. If I want to reduce it down to only things that I can understand, I've got a really small uh, body of work and a really small world that I'm going to live in. I love the fact there are things that I don't understand. So I open myself up to these people, none of whom I want to just model my life after, but I can learn from all of them. So my point here is... It seems your objection is not to the statement itself, not to really what I said, but to the person who said it. But see, I think that presents an unrealistic approach to truth and certainly to growth. 
If we assume everything someone we admire says is true, and everything from a person outside our belief system says is untrue, we create a really artificial approach to our thinking. So let me just share with you a little bit more here. What about these quotations? Would you agree? Here's, here's one quote. As a Christian, I have no duty to allow myself to be cheated, but I have the duty to be a fighter for truth and justice. Another quotation. The doom of a nation can be averted only by a storm of flowing passion by only those who are passionate themselves and can arouse passion in others. Again, the doom of a nation can be averted only by a storm of flowing passion, but only those who are passionate themselves can arouse passion in others. Now, we could have heard that from a whole lot of people. We could attribute that to a whole lot of people because they're both encouraging kind of messages. You know who said those? Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler. Here's a couple more, not from him, new person. The writer must earn money in order to be able to live and to write, but he must by no means live and write for the purpose of making money. Sounds pretty noble. From each according to his abilities to each according to his needs. Wow, that's something that any politician could expose. You know, they could say, yeah, that's what we need. From each according to his abilities to each according to his needs. Well, those are statements from Karl Marx. Here's one more. Here's the problem with how many people approach the question of purpose. Many are looking outside of themselves for their purpose, destiny, or meaning in life. The very key to knowing your purpose is discovering and celebrating your personal identity. Now, there are a lot of people in certain faith movements who would really oppose that. No, you need to look outside of yourself to find your purpose. It's not within you. It's not humanistic. It's not self-serving. It's not just you. You need to look outside yourself and you're going to find it there. So again, the quotation is, here's the problem with how many people approach the question of purpose. Many are looking outside of themselves for their purpose, destiny or meaning in life. The very key to knowing your purpose is discovering and celebrating your personal identity. That comes from T.D. Jakes, a very high-profile, respected pastor, religious leader. We have to do more than just hear the name of who said this. We have to look at the content, look at what has been said, and then sort that out. Again, I think truth comes from a lot of places and a lot of people, as does untruth. So what I look for is that growing body of knowledge that I have access to that I can then sort through where I am, use discernment, discretion, my own knowledge to balance that and figure out how I'm going to use that. I think it's pretty dangerous to just say, okay, I believe everything this person says. I don't believe anything this person says. It's certainly not the way I've operated at all. It's up to all of us as growing people to be discerning of the messages we have. I mean, when you look at the things right now, I mean, and it's heartbreaking to realize how we are fed what we want to hear. It's called confirmation bias. 
So as soon as you click on something on your iPhone, then the algorithms assume that's something you want more of. So if you believe everything that the the politicians on one side are saying, you're going to get more of that. You're going to get confirmation of that. You know, if I put into a Google search, you know, why is a dog better than a cat as a pet? I'm going to get tons of information in the next two weeks about why a dog is better than a cat, just because of how I frame the question. So we're fed things very purposely these days to feed into what we already believe. I wish there were a way to confuse the algorithms so we could have access to information that uh, does not just line up with what we are assumed to already believe. Well, in my mind, belief is if new information is discovered, then we go into a new season of life that can bring new insights. Then it's natural and wise to change and grow. I mean, just like the lady who's reading, you know, Lynette, Lynette who's reading the book, 48 days and is discouraged because she's seeing the light that, oh my goodness, other people aren't living like I am in a job they don't like, feeling like they've failed. 48, no savings, not making a difference in the world. No, you don't have to live like that. But the way you get out of that is to expose yourself to people and ideas that will lead the way to exactly where you want to go. So, Thanks for your questioning and letting me know that the person I referenced in a recent podcast um, offended you. I'm um, delighted to to know that, but I do want to challenge your thinking on that. I mean, I really do. I, I don't. I'm not going to say oh, I'm never going to mention that person again because I will, um, and I'll mention a whole lot of people again when I talk about Leonardo da Vinci. Am I holding him up as a model of success, a model of living? Not a chance. There's a whole lot of things about him that I would never, never promote to anybody. But I love how he thought about innovation and creativity. Right now we're going through Think and Grow Rich as a year-long study in our 48 Days Eagles community. So one month, the fourth Monday of every month, I go through a chapter in that. Think and Grow Rich, the classic book by Napoleon Hill. If you really do a search out there, Napoleon Hill was known for being a scam artist as much as he was known for being an author of any book. There's a whole lot of information about that man's personal life that is not very exemplary. Nothing we would want to promote in any way at all. And yet the principles in the book have been transformative for millions of people. We've got stories coming out of our coming out of our 48 Eagles community where people are saying, I can't believe what's happening. I actually did this. You know, just adjusting my mindset, my belief, my expectation, my goal. And here's what's happening. And things are just unfolding. We're using the principles without glorifying the person who said them. And I would encourage you to do the same. Well, you know, rather than going into unrelated kinds of questions, I feel like that's kind of a, a stopping point. I hope this has been encouraging. I don't want this to be somehow discouraging. The, the, the idea that a lot of us right now are looking for more than just the status quo. We're looking for more than just getting back to normal. I think that's awesome. 
I think that's really exciting to realize that we are, we have been shaken up radically, but because of that, we're realizing how can we make things better than they were? Not just go back to normal. How can we make things better? We have options that we never explored before. We have things that have been presented in a way that we didn't want, but now that it's here, we're seeing what does this make possible? I mean, I'm looking at, you know, there there are properties, there are commercial buildings in mass that are vacant because of businesses that didn't survive using the old model that are now available. I'm looking at ideas to repurpose those. You know, they're universities. I mean, they're universities that are closing down because they it's been discovered, they have a model that we were doing for years and years and years ago, but it doesn't fit anymore. There's some things that have been dramatically changed and what people expect in terms of education and how it's delivered and what we need to know to have marketable skills out here in the marketplace. So, golly, just whatever position you feel like you're in, don't feel like you're stuck. You're not stuck. Hey, join us. Make sure you join us for the upcoming webinar that we've got. And if you just go to 48days.com slash webinar. You'll be able to see it right there. Join us. We're going to be talking about the five things that keep dreamers stuck and how to blast through those. I'm going to give you some solutions for those. No matter what it is you think that is having you stuck, make sure that you join us. Again, 48days.com slash webinar. Get you lined up for that free workshop coming up on July 15th. Hey, thanks for listening, for sending in your questions. Keep doing that. Send those questions in to askdan at 48days.com. Easiest way you can leave a message if you like, like one of our listeners did today. Sometimes share this as well. There's always a mic where you go anywhere in a 48days.com site. But thanks for being part of this community where we're open to growing and for being a powerful force for making the world a better place and for believing without a shadow of a doubt, that we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.